Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 22nd, 2010. This next article is Shocking UN Efforts to Undermine Youth Morals. Again, we just keep reporting over and over and over on the UN. And again, I think this is where a lot of our prayers need to be directed, toward the United Nations. I mean, why not just go to the very top? You know, I understand we, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes and principalities, rulers of wickedness, these types of things. But these are, the UN is one of the chief organizations which these princes and principalities and rulers of wickedness emanate and operate through. So, uh, it says, during the last week, a well-respected leader in the pro-family movement, Terrence McKeegan, vice president and senior counsel for CFAM, shared with me his research about the UN's latest efforts to attack the moral foundation of families and children. In the last week, a major youth conference was held in Mexico, which was aimed at creating a new declaration for youth to be enacted by the UN General Assembly in connection with an international year for youth. See, Satan wants the children. He wants the children because if he can have that generation, he knows they're going to grow up. And if they're... if if they serve him when they're young, there's a much higher likelihood they're going to serve him when they're old. And then when they get older, they're going to operate, you know, obviously go into positions of power and these types of things later in their life. So he's always trying to get the youth. One of the things called for in proposition in the proposed resolution is full access for all youth to universal access to reproductive health. These words are loaded with hidden meanings. However, McKeegan has unmasked these hidden meanings by gathering copies of UN brochures that are distributed at its youth conference in March, uh, March of 2010. You can actually click here to look at the actual sections of these brochures. The content of this material, and there's a link you can click on uh, in the PDF associated with this teaching on contendingfortruth.com. The content of this material is shocking. It is not pornographic, but the behavior that it is encouraging is lewdness and immorality personified. I would strongly suggest that only parents look at this material. Here are just a few examples of these brochures, of these UN brochures. Young people living with HIV have the right to sexual pleasure. Yeah. Go out and infect everyone else. That's what we want to do, right? I mean, hey, they've got, they've got rights. Who cares about anyone else's rights? Some people, this is another point, some people have sex when they have been drinking alcohol or using drugs. This is your choice. I mean, they're really, it's really a pro-abstinence type of thing, you know. And then, their next point, there is no right or wrong way to have sex. Just have fun, explore, and be yourself. What does the UN have anything, why would they be doing this garbage? They're just trying to defile humanity. That's what Satan wants to do. He just wants to defile humanity any possible way he can do it. And this is what he's using the UN to do. Next, next point. Sexual and reproductive rights are recognized around the world as human rights. Yeah, that would include abortion. So, you know, you have a right to kill your unborn baby because what right does that baby have, right? I mean, that's exa is exactly what they're, they're, this garbage that they're trying to put forth. Okay, so then it says, this goes on to say, now you know the kinds of ideas that are offered when the UN calls for safe sex education and awareness raising activities among adolescents. Uh, there is already a political movement in the United States to offer these egregious forms of sex education without parental consent or review. 
But if the UN Convention on, right, on the Rights of a Child is adopted in the U.S., then the debate is over. We would be required to implement this kind of adolescent health education dictated by the UN. So if America adopts this UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, I mean, you can't keep up with this stuff. They're trying to, they're trying to destroy us so many different ways and defile us so many different ways and intrude on our rights in so many different ways. I can't hardly keep up with it. I would need a show like Alex Jones to keep up with it anymore. I just try to do my best on a week-to-week basis to kind of hit the high points anymore. But yes, this is one other thing. The U.S. Convention on the Rights of the Child. We must preserve our families. We must preserve common sense and morality. We must preserve American self-government. If you have already joined our efforts to stop the UN Convention on the Rights of a Child, thank you so much. Would you continue to share this information with your friends as we build toward the next session in Congress? If you have not joined us, click here and do so today. And this is all free. Every single link that I've put up here is free. You can you can click on this link to sign the petition against this thing. And then also they have weekly newsletter uh, alerts. Uh, there's some other links you can click on as well. Through activist courts and the threat of ratifying the UN's Convention on the Rights of a Child, big government intrudes on families more and more. Already, the liberty of parents to direct their upbringing of their children has greatly eroded in the federal courts and in such settings as public schools local libraries, and at your doctor's office. The traditional rights of parents to make decisions for their children, absent abuse or neglect, is now substantially diminished at the federal level, and its demise is trickling down to the states. Only an amendment to add this liberty to the text of the U.S. Constitution can give back our families the legal protections they deserve. Again, then there's a link you can click on. Click here to stop big government takeover of the family by supporting Senate Resolution 519, which opposes ratifying the CRC, uh, the UN's Convention of Rights of the Child, and the Parental Rights Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Now, this particular teaching we're doing today, there's a lot of proactive stuff I'm putting in there. Like last week, we covered a lot of the health issue stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to cover a lot of similar issues whenever we can do that. Um, next article. I just had to throw this in. Uh, I entitled it, Sodomites Tie the Knot. Drew Hamill and Jason Mita were married Saturday at their home in Washington. I got a little picture here. You can see the lovely newlywed couple. The Reverend Ryan C. Tish, a minister of World Christianship Ministries, I'm sure they're right down the line theologically in every way, shape, and form, He was the reverend that officiated this wonderful marriage. Mr. Hamill, of 31 years old, is the press secretary to Nancy Pelosi. Imagine, we've, we've, I mean, we've got a good feel for Nancy Pelosi in this teaching, haven't we? I mean, good fruit, good fruit there, you know? He's the press secretary to, to Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House of Representatives in Washington. He graduated from the University of Illinois and received a master's degree in comparative politics from the London School of Economics. He married Mr. Mita, who's 30, and is the vice president for development at the Gay and Lesbian Victory Fund in Washington, D.C. Isn't that special? Doesn't this warm the cockles of your heart? He graduated from Abilene Christian University. Christian University. Could you imagine... Boy, they must have really taught him right. 
I, I put my two teachings here, gays and transgendered exposed. I mean, you know, this politically correct garbage. Ugh. Let's go further here. Okay, I'm looking at my article here. This one's entitled, False Christ Apparition Attracts Thousands. The Catholics will be thrilled with this one. Uh, let's see. The following is an article which describes an apparition of supposedly Jesus, they said, that supposedly took place in the Catholic Church in Nigeria recently. It is exactly what authors Tim Tedelow and Roger Oakland predicted would be taking place in their future in their book, Another Jesus, the Eucharistic and New Evangel Evangelization. Jesus warned that false appearances would take place as one of the sign, uh, signs of the last days. Uh, Matthew twenty four twenty three through 26 says, Jesus said, If any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise many, there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. Again, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. That's what Jesus Christ said. I'm not saying he cannot do a sign is a wonder, but people that pursue them as the basis of their religion are totally flawed in their thinking pattern. They're going to be deceived. It's a matter of time. Even if they saw a, a genuine one initially, if you go around and seeking signs and wonders as the basis for your religious experience, you're deluded. You're totally deluded. And nobody does it more than the Catholics as far as I can see. At least this false pseudo-Christian movement. Uh, anyway. Uh, believe it not, there shall rise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Well, ask yourself this question. Is it possible for you on any given day to be deceived? If you're saved. Okay, so you would consider yourself one of the elect. Is it possible for you to be deceived? Yeah, I learned stuff I was deceived about almost every day researching this stuff. So this is something we need to be on guard against and never get to the point where we have so much pride thinking, well, I'm above being deceived. I'm holier than thou. Approach not me. You know, you don't want to act that way. You want to be humble and say, ask the Lord, you know, am I being deceived on any level here? This type of thing. And then he goes on to say, behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he is in secret chambers. Believe it not. So when you start hearing about, oh, Jesus was showed up at our, our revival and walked around and, you know, he was there. And the uh, Bible says, believe it not. This is a sign of the entire... I mean, the very way that it says several times in the Bible that the false Christ and the Antichrist are going to deceive the whole world is through lying, signs and wonders, and miracles. They're going to perform miracles. They're going to call fire from down from heaven. They're going to heal people. That's no indication that it's just from God. There are things, you know, th this happens all the time. So we go further. St. Paul's Catholic Church along Airport Road in Benign City yesterday turned into a mecca of sorts as people from all walks of life thronged the church to catch a glimpse of what has literally been described as an apparition of Jesus Christ. The uncommon, unholy, I put unholy, phenomenon, according to the Catholic faithful and enthusiasts present at the church premises, came up early Wednesday morning immediately after 
the offering of adoration at the church. Now I emphasize that because I'm going to talk about that. When did, when did Mr. False Jesus apparition show up? Immediately after the offering of adoration at the church. That's, now, a lot of people would just skip over that, but I, I said, I want to go down that rabbit trail today. What is the offering of adoration? Let's look at that. Because that's when Jesus, this false Jesus showed up. It must have made him happy. Okay, It opened some kind of demonic doorway to let this devil show up and deceive everybody, right? Well, we'll get to that in a second. It has, however, generated so much frenzy among the Catholic faithful, and non-Catholics even, who jostled through the ever-busy airport road in the state capital to witness this rare spiritual occurrence. Now, something like this happens, Catholics will come from all corners of the earth to go see apparitions of, you know, false demonic Mary, or a false, you know, demonic uh, Jesus-type figure, or whoever else. They'll come out of the woodwork. Reverend Father Ed Sowian, I mean, man, you got it all there. You got all the false titles. Reverend Father Ed Sowian, the Bible says, call no man father. And the only time the Bible refers to the word reverend is it says holy and reverend is he referring to God. It's not a biblical title that a man should bestow upon himself. I'm reverend, this and that. I'm father, it's not, the Bible says, call no man father but your father in heaven. So, it's not a title you want to be taking on yourself. It's unbiblical. I've done a whole study on it. Just key in reverend in the, the uh, keyword search box on contendingfortruth.com. Now, I, yeah, obviously, I really have endeared myself to most Catholics because of this. Anyway, this reverend father guy further stressed that the appearance of Christ on the blessed sacrament through the monstrance, would help redirect the lives of Christians whose faith had become ebbed out um, due to the varying challenges of life. The apparition of Christ, according to the priest, was to remind Christians that through his presence they can draw support and increase their faith in God. Who are they increasing their faith in? They're putting their trust in some apparition. It's kind of funny, when you look at these apparitions and you look at what they end up saying, it's always something that's contrary to the Bible. Every single time. By their fruits you shall know them. And we're going to look at that too. But remember, this Reverend Father False guy said, he stressed that the appearance of Christ on the Blessed Sacrament, remember, this is the offering of adoration on the Blessed Sacrament, through the monstrance. What's the monstrance? The monstrance is that glass thing that the Catholics hold up and they put that wafer God in the monstrance, their, their little wafer Jesus, and they, act, they adore it. That's why it's called the offering of adoration. They literally believe that that monstrance holds the literal body of Jesus Christ. Literally. They believe through the process of transubstantiation that a Catholic priest can take Jesus Christ from on high and pull him down and put him in that wafer and in that wine. His blood in the wine, his body in the wafer. And that that is the literal, not figurative, literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. What rank blasphemy. When Christ died on the cross and said it was finished, it was finished. But what the Catholics do is they put Christ back on the cross that's why when you walk into Catholic churches, he's always hanging there. This pitiful Jesus. That's what they, they only, The Catholics only like Jesus two ways. Up on the cross looking pitiful and bloodied and weak, or as a baby Jesus in the manger. It's the only way. Uh, this powerless 
Christ. He's not the King of kings and Lord of lords, whoever sitteth on the right hand of God, ever making intercession for the saints. No, he's not that. Ah, this gets me fired up. It's so blasphemous. And yet they put this veneer on like they're so holy and they're so right. Well, let's look at this further. They believe that this mass that I'm referring to is part of salvation. Well, they also believe the seven sacraments, or, and they, they believe in this works-based salvation. You know, you got to keep the seven sacraments, and then you got to say prayers for the dead, and you got to go, you got to go through purgatory and do your time there. Um, you know, maybe if you bought some indulgences, you'll get out quicker. Eh, you know, masses for the dead, all this other garbage, all this stuff that's not even in the Bible, nowhere ever. Here I'm quoting from the. Um, Catholic Doctrine, Dogmatic Constitution on the Church, chapter 1 and 3, page 324. It says, quote, As often as the sacrifice of the cross by which Christ our Pasach is sacrificed, it is celebrated on the altar. In other words, they keep continually re-sacrificing Christ over and over and over again. And then he goes on, let me read this again. As often as the sacrifice of the cross by which Christ our Pasach is sacrificed is celebrated on the altar, the work of our redemption is carried out. So their redemption is ongoing and it's 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 has to be done that way. The next part, Christ is to be worshipped in the wafer. This is a quote from the Vatican II, the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, Instruction on the Worship of the Eucharistic Mystery, chapter 3, B, page 132. It says, quote, The faithful should therefore strive to worship Christ our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. We're supposed to worship him in the monstrance, in the, the literal way for God, is how we refer to it as. It goes on to say, Pastors, priests should exhort them to this and set them a good example. So they're going to set us a good example by commanding us to worship Christ in this way for God. The place in a church or an oratory where the blessed sacrament is reserved in the tabernacle, which would be the monstrance, the place where the consecrated wafer is kept and worship between masses. Yeah, you could go there and worship it between masses too. You know, the unleavened bread, just worship it between masses. This should truly be prominent. We want to have the monstrance prominent. It ought to be suitable for private prayer, so that the faithful may easily and faithfully, by private devotion also, continue to honor our Lord in this sacrament. I mean, this is insanity. Talk about, you know, setting up no graven graven image. Here, Acts 17.29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, this is saved people, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art in man's device. We're not supposed to be bowing down and worshiping stuff. We're not. The the Godhead is not like that. So these people in the Catholic religion, let's take for example, they've got this big statue racket that they got. You know that they took that commandment out of the Catholic Ten Commandments? They took the commandment about bowing down to grave to idols and that. It's gone from their Ten Commandments. They split, I think they split like the Ninth Commandment into two. I've got the whole thing in saved. That's how they get around it. 
So then they can make millions and millions and millions every year selling all their cursed statues to everybody. And let me tell you something. You got any of these statues around or in your house where you better, you better destroy them because they're, they're cursed. They got big fat demons that came with it. You paid for not only the statue but the demon that came with it. And if you give that thing place in your house, it's no wonder you've got all kind of problems going on because it's not going to help things, that's for sure. We ought not to think that the Godhead is like in a gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. That's not what the Catholic Church teaches you. Let me read you another article, uh, quote from them. This is from the Vatican II, the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, Instruction the Worship of the Eucharistic Mystery, C6, page 109 and 110. It says, All the faithful ought to show to this most holy sacrament the worship which is due to the true God. As always, and has always been the custom of the Catholic Church. For even in the reserved sacrament, he is to be adored because he is substantially present there through the conversion of bread and wine as the Council of Trent tells us is most aptly named transubstantiation. End of quote. So remember what I said to you about the, the whole doctrine of transubstantiation? They were taught through the Council of Trent way long back that the priest has the power to take Jesus Christ out of heaven and convert him into the literal, convert him literally into the Catholic communion host and the wine through the process of transubstantiation. That is sickening. Next article. Virgin Mary's sacred heart received equal worship to Jesus Christ. The Immaculate Heart of Mary is a Catholic doctrine that stresses the perfections which God gave to Mary, the Blessed Virgin, and her holiness, which is unique among men. Since Roman Catholicism teaches that Mary was conceived without sin, Mary is the co-redemptrix. Whereas the Bible says there is one redeemer, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's, she is equal with Jesus. And this is how they'll portray Mary and Jesus together. I've got a couple pictures here. Mary and their, Jesus has his sacred heart. Mary has her sacred heart. They're co-redemptrices. Now, why would they say that we need Mary as a co-redemptrix? Well, they believe, you know, she's evidently sinless, just like Jesus. And they believe that Jesus, well, the way they teach it in the Baltimore Catechism, which is the main way that they teach, teach people uh, as they're coming up through all their confirmations and stuff like that, is that they picture Jesus, I've seen the pictures, they picture Jesus on this throne, and he's just like this. He's just all mad. And they say the only way we can get to Jesus, who is just enraged, is Mary. Because why? Because Mary was his mother. And she can calm him down on our behalf, right? She's the only one, she's the only way to get to Jesus, is through Mary. That's what they teach. You talk about extra biblical. Where's that in the Bible? This pseudo-Mary has appeared to thousands of Catholics as an apparition that demands worship. Did you know that? If she was the real Mary, of course, she would never appear that way. Why wouldn't she be directing Catholics to worship Jesus Christ and look at him as the sole source of salvation? His finished work on the cross. His shed blood. No, she doesn't do that. She demands worship when she shows up. The DVD below, and I got the whole thing here, 
documents her exact quotes that have been officially approved by the Catholic Church. Because not all the apparitions that show up, the Catholic Church will sanction. But the Catholic Church will literally officially approve certain apparitions that say certain things. This one, this video, only documents the ones that the Catholic Church has officially approved. So you can't accuse us of being biased. This is the one the Catholic Church approved. She says she is the co-redemptrix that has to be worshipped and prayed to in these apparitions. If this isn't goddess worship, I don't know what is. Man, I'd love to see one of these apparitions show up. I would love it, man. I'd go there in a heartbeat. You rebuke, you devil, in the name of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. Be, I mean, that, that is that is pure. That's nothing more than either a fallen angel manifesting or a very probably high-level demon. So if this isn't goddess worship, I don't know what it is. What is? Again, 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Not Mary. I mean, I love Mary and everything. I, I, I praise God for God putting her in that position, but we got to draw the line somewhere, okay? She's, she's not to be worshipped. She's not to be worshipped as deity. She's not part of our salvation plan. Mary and Joseph took a sin offering. Um, I believe it was either right when Jesus was born or right before that. I mean, if she was sinless, how could she have done that? There's a track that um, Chick puts out. It says, why is Mary crying? You can go up to chick.com www.chickchick.com and you can look that up. You can look up Why is Mary Crying? They've got a whole bunch of tracks for the Catholic. Uh, I mean, a lot of really good good tracks that there's no way the average Catholic is going to be able to have an answer for. Anyway, this video, which I have, is called Messages from Heaven. Or I used to have it. I gave my videos away. Um... 87 minutes in length. It's a biblical examination on the apparitions of the Virgin Mary and other supernatural activity in the end times. Reports of paranormal and supernatural activity are on the rise worldwide. Again, lines, signs, and wonders. Fits in with that. Yet so few people seem to be able to put this together. From a biblical standpoint even. Tens of millions visit apparition sites hoping to encounter the Blessed Virgin Mary. I think the grossest ones are the ones where they got those paintings and they're oozing this nasty smelling oil. It's nasty smelling. And they're like wiping it all over them and wanting to wallow in it. And it's like, ew. I mean, if it was really of God, why would it be nasty smelling? You know, I don't understand that. But I guess whatever. Uh, Many believe that these, I think the demons are just back there just laughing. Satan is just laughing, thinking how stupid we are for the most part. I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people, I mean... You know, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. This is just pure proof of this because these people that are into this stuff are purely being led by one thing, their own wicked heart. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six. Jeremiah seventeen nine was the last verse. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. I mean, when, I'm sure when you're right in front of that apparition and you're looking at it and it's talking to you and you're whatever and you're walking on your knees and, and doing all your Catholic stuff, I'm sure it really seems right to you. But the end thereof are the ways of death. That's Proverbs 14.12 and Proverbs 16.25. They say the same exact thing. So, thousands of messages from the apparition of Mary indicate that we are entering a critical moment in world history. Cataclysmic changes may soon occur. Now, 
guess what? I give you the link to watch the entire movie for free online. You can go watch the entire movie for free. I won't even charge you. No, just kidding. It's free. So here you go. So I, every week, I just you know I just want to give this stuff away. Last, uh, no, not last article, but we're we're coming up near the end here. Um, have you heard of the new thing? They're called tattoos. Like a tattoo? These are called tattoos. They would be printed on the user's skin and would identify the user via their DNA. They're real. Check it. Yeah, I got everybody looking at these pictures. You, you, if you access my PDF to look at this, because you want to see these pictures. I mean, they are they are really weird looking. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just from this article from August fourth of this year, five years ago. Frog Design founder Harmut Eslinger envisioned a technology that could influence notions of community identity and connectivity with minimal impact on the physical environment. Using an online design portal, users would select and try out a customized electronic processing device that they would print onto their own skin. The DNA tattoo, or DATU, could include printable input-output tools such as a camera, a microphone, or a laser loudspeaker. It would also be up to the user as uh, the, the aesthetics of the tattoos, in other words, how they have the design. So you can mix and match, depending on your ensemble. Most intriguingly, it would capture its wearer's DNA to ensure an intimate user-machine relationship. It's going to capture your DNA. Remember what I keep saying? I know what I always say, it kind of boils back to the, the, to the UN, but it always seems like we always boil back to this issue of the DNA. Isn't it kind of funny that that's the case? And isn't it funny that Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What was going on in Noah's day? Well, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They took them wives, all that they chose. And in those days were giants or Nephilim or fallen ones. What, did, what had these fallen angels do, done? Well, they had defiled the DNA of mankind. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, we report on all these different ways that they're trying to, to defile our DNA. One of the chief ways being these um, these vaccines that are DNA tainted. Now we've got this tattoos. I mean, there's so many ways they're trying to defile our DNA. Conceived in the 2005 Forrester Consumer Forum, the tattoo was a response to the still increasing trend of self-expression through connectivity technology. In a sense, you could call it the ultimate smart phone skin. The idea was to realize a state of Constant, seamless connectivity and computability requiring the convergence of technology and self, like a cyborg transhuman. I've added that in. Now, also, just remember, you are going to be tracked 24-7. Not only is it going to bond or capture your DNA, but they're going to be tracking you 24-7 with this particular technology. Um, Going further, it says, this meant that the body itself would need to become the interface and would supply the required energy. Because tattoos would largely replace three-dimensional tools such as smartphones or laptops, the environment would be spared the cost. Mother Gaia, come on. She'd be spared the cost of producing, transporting, and disposing of those items. And I'm sure she would be pleased, Mother Gaia. Users in different geographical regions would be linked by common interests and would communicate with one another through their tattoos. The unique DNA signatures would allow individuals to be readily identifiable, in a sense almost projecting users' second life styles into cyberspace. 
software would take a liquid form. In keeping with the Datu's organic computer philosophy, isn't this well written? I mean, this guy's really a wordsmith. Anyway, despite evoking creepy matrix-like images of permanent implants, Datu's would be actually temporary and minimally invasive. Yeah, right. They could even be applied to clothes or other objects instead of the skin. Hold on, if they're applied to clothes or other objects, how is it going to interact with your DNA? They're contradicting themselves already. Was it going to interact with the DNA of your genes? It doesn't make sense. They could even be applied to clothing or other objects instead of the skin. At the end of the day, they would simply be washed off. Yeah, right. This is like the carrot that Satan's dangling out. Oh, yeah, you can wash it off, don't worry. It's kind of funny, you get to the end of the day, I can't get this thing off. You know, that's probably what it'd be like. The next day, depending on what the user planned to do, they could order and apply a new one. Okay, I was just showing everybody here these pictures. Besides DNA reading, identification, cameras, mics, and speakers, Esslinger's ultimate vision was one of Datus that included nanosensors and interactive Braille-like touch reading patterns and image recognition, self-learning, and educational applications, living materials that change shape and feel, flexible OLD OLED displays, bio nano bionic nanochips and cyborg components. In other words, this is just the tip of the iceberg in the transhumanism salad. I mean, this is just a little bit. What they want to do is take this a whole lot further where we're getting into injectable nanochips, cyborg components. A cyborg you would think of somebody like um you know, that has like a computer eye or like Steve Austin on Million Dollar Man. He had like, you know, a robotic arm. And again, this is the whole, this is the whole movement of transhumanism. And their goal is to make humanity what they term as post-human. It's like human 2.0. It's like the upgrade. We will be as gods. That's exactly the same lie that Satan tempted Eve with in the Garden of Eden. You shall be as gods. That's what they want to do. They want to say, you're going to be as gods. Yeah. You're going to have Satan micromanaging every little tiny aspect of your life. But you'll be as gods. Uh, You know, I'm sorry. That's a real bad deal. Real bad deal. But if you get all this garbage injected into you and put into you, it's almost like you're going to be in so deep you're never going to be able to get out. You know, it's like the mafia. Um, when you start getting all the stuff and you and you become literally post-human, but they believe when they talk about the age of Aquarius and us advancing into the age of Aquarius, that we have to make this evolutionary leap, this evolutionary step where we can be as gods, so the age of Aquarius can come and, and Maitreya can come with the false prophet, or the Antichrist can come with the false prophet and usher in this golden era, how they term it. And this is just one more thing that you're probably going to be seeing. And it's shocking. In the past five years, we've definitely gotten closer to Datus becoming more than just a concept. An example from this year is the SkinPut, an experimental system that allows users to control electronic devices via a display projected on their arm. Now let me tell you something. If they're admitting to something, if they're talking about something like this, they've probably had it for 20 years. They only reveal to us a little bit of the actual technology they actually possess. This is fallen angelic technology that has been given to us. Okay, that's what's going on here. Okay, so continuing on, now what I what I did here is I posted every teaching I've done about the Mark of the Beast after 
this on the PDF. The hexagram and the mark of the beast. The national ID and the mark of the beast. And the real ID, the implantable microchip and the mark of the beast. I've done three separate multi-part teachings on this particular subject. So if you're interested in knowing more about that, because I have said that the mark of the beast is most likely going to be some type of injectable chip in conjunction with some type of biometric tattoo. Um, and there's various reasons I believe that's going to be the case, and I get into them in depth on the teaching. So I don't want to say a whole lot more about that than now. Now, segueing into... Uh, I'm probably going to be doing a little bit of this particular teaching every week. It's called The Forbidden Gates. It's by uh, Thomas Horn on Raiders News Network. This was just from uh, August 7th of this year. And he's got a multi-part series on these things called The Forbidden Gates. It's very much is in line with this last article we just talked about. Uh, the, this, this article is how genetics, robotics, artificial intelligence, which is also called AI, synthetic biology, nanotechnology, and how in human enhancement herald the dawn of a techno-dimensional spiritual warfare. Now he's saying that because of all the stuff that people are going to be doing to their bodies and are going to be introduced, he says it's going to change... It may change some of the the uh, the aspects of how a Christian undergoes spiritual warfare. Okay, and I'm not I haven't read all the articles yet. I'm not sure exactly where his ultimate where he says this is ultimately going to end up. But I can see how this does change things. I mean, if you've got somebody that's not even fully human that you're dealing with, you know what I mean. There may be different ways that you might want to pray you know, in, in regard to spiritual warfare, things of this nature. So I don't want to say a whole lot more about it because I haven't read all the articles. I'm just going to cover a couple parts of this today, and then we'll probably talk more about it in the next coming weeks. In recent years, astonishing technological developments have pushed the frontiers of humanity toward far-reaching morphological transformation that promise in the very near future to redefine what it means to be human. An international, intellectual, and fast-growing cultural movement known as transhumanism has been embraced by the deepest and darkest chambers of national laboratories, which intend to use the genetics, robotics, artificial intelligence, and nanotechnology as tools that will radically redesign our minds, our memories, our physiology, our offspring, and even perhaps, as Joel Garrow said in his best-selling book, Radical Evolution, claims, our very souls. Well, I think that's the first thing they want. They want our souls. They want the souls of men. Isn't that what the battle is really for? I mean, when it's all said and done, a thousand years from now, you know, isn't that all that's really going to matter? Who's in heaven and who's in hell? I mean, I mean, I know I'm, I'm oversimplifying here. I understand there's rewards and things of that nature, but really, those are the two main important issues. You know, we when we look into eternity. So this is what this is all about. This is, in fact, every. Almost every single thing we're looking at on a weekly basis, in some way, shape, or form, relates to that subject. Um, the technological, cultural, and metaphysical shift now underway are unapologetically forecast a future dominated by this new species of unrecognizably superior humans. And applications under study now to make this dream reality are being funded by thousands of governmental and private research facilities around the world. As readers will learn, this includes, among other things, re rewriting human DNA, in some instances actually combining human DNA with the DNA of beasts or animals. 
a fact not only reflected in the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, or DARPA, one of the most wicked organizations on the planet, but this is actually in their budgets, including the current 2011 president's budget, but that some university studies and transhumanists believe we will not only alter our bodies and souls, but could open a door of contact with unseen intelligence. I think they've already done that. And that's just the beginning. As a result, new modes of perception between things visible and invisible are expected to challenge people of faith in ways that are historically and theologically unprecedented. I mean, when this stuff starts really going down, and spiritual stuff may really start manifesting, or pure evil may manifest on the earth, why do you think they're doing all this stuff with shows about vampires and werewolves and cyborgs and transhumanism and all these ascended masters and gods and aliens? Why do you think they're doing all that stuff in Hollywood and in, 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 in the, the, the major media and then UFOs? Do you think they might be preparing us for something? Or are they just doing it because nothing is ever going to come out of any of it? Oh, we just wanted to, like, you know, entertain you stupid humans. We just wanted to do that. They're preparing us for something. And most Christians do not have a clue about how to deal with what's coming from a spiritual level. They're going to um, collectively be peeing their pants, most likely, when this stuff starts to go down. So, it's a big reason we have this ministry is to try to prepare you so that you're not destroyed for lack of knowledge, so that you're not taken unaware, so that you're not ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us. 2 Corinthians 2.11, we're not supposed to be ignorant of his devices. Well, the problem nowadays is just trying to keep up with all his devices everywhere you turn. So, without comprehending what is quickly approaching in the related disciplines of research and development, vast numbers of people could be paralyzed. Exactly by the most fantastic and most far-reaching supernatural implications. The destiny of each individual, as well as the future of their family, will depend on their knowledge of the new paradigm and their preparedness to face it head-on. Well, I'm not saying this makes you unsaved if you're not prepared for it. But, I mean, obviously, if you're prepared for it, you're going to do better. I mean, if you're going into battle and you're totally unprepared, you're not going to do that great. You know? But if you're prepared to go into battle and you, and you see this, all it's really going to do is particularly if you knew it was coming and if it confirms the Bible, which it really does, what is it going to do then? It's going to increase your faith. And without faith, you cannot please God, it says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you need to get yourself a King James Bible and start reading it and start playing it in your house because that in and of itself is a good way to actually learn scripture. It's also, I'm, I'm 100% convinced, demons don't like the King James Bible playing in your house. It's just a couple things you can do, but you can't go wrong there. As outlined in this research, the power operating behind this scheme to integrate human-animal-machine interfaces in order to re-engineer humanity is not new. The ancient malevolent force is repackaging itself these days as the forward-thinking and enlightened progress needed for the next step in human Evolution, which is what we've been talking about. Facing godlike machines and man's willingness to cross over species and extra-dimensional barriers put in place by God, traditional methods of spiritual warfare, which religious institutions have relied on for the last century, will be monumentally impacted in non-traditional ways. Very true. What continues within these, ent within these ent entries will lift the curtain on a world unlike previous generations could have ever expected or ever imagined. 
This series will combine investigation by numerous brave resources and reproduce leaked documentation that clearly outlines how soon several governmental reports point to the year 2012 as the first year this stuff really starts to go down. I mean, isn't that what we've been prepared for, 2012? Okay. Um, it, it outlines how soon human enhancement technology of the most exotic order will start. Due to the urgent nature and timing of this expose, we offer one caution. If you are a person that is happy living in the matrix, cradled in the warm embrace of illusions, we recommend you lay the study aside and enjoy your remaining days uninformed. Remember, ignorance is bliss. Of course, that's not in the Bible anywhere. But anyway, but if like millions of others around the world, you have recently awakened with a sense that something foreboding is about to unfold on this earth, then this information is for you. If you believe that a global event, which so far nobody has been able to clearly explain, is on the horizon, this information is for you. If you feel whatever is happening is both physical and spiritual, yet you cannot solve the conundrum of what is stirring beneath the surface, this information is for you. If you hunger... To discern the meaning behind the raging turmoil enveloping nature, societies, and global politics, this information is for you. But prepare yourself for the unexpected, including truly startling and often discomforting information, which you may have not have heard or read anywhere else. What has been in preparation for thousands of years is about to reveal itself to humanity. The clock is ticking, and the hand is closer to midnight than most can comprehend. Something wicked this way comes. The occult desire of the ages is here. Now, this research is based on Tom Anita Horn's upcoming book, Forbidden Gates, how genetics, robotics, artificial intelligence, synthetic biology, nanotechnology, and human enhancement herald the dawn of the techno-dimensional spiritual warfare. And I don't really know anybody who's done more research in this area than Tom Horn. I don't know anybody. I mean, if you see the amount of articles they put up on Raiders News Network every week, I mean, it is like, wow. Now, I'm not saying I agree every with everything theologically, you know, Listen, none of us are, are going to agree on everything. Nobody has it all figured out. The Bible says we see through a glass but darkly, but then face to face. So just glean what you, you can glean and, and you know, we can go, you can go on. Okay, so going further, behind governors, legislators, presidents, dictators, and even religious leaders, these wicked spiritual powers move about unrestricted, controlling the machine of ecclesiastical and civil governments as freely as they are allowed. Whenever such principalities recognize a religious or political body that has become a force for moral good, they set about, through a sophisticated labyrinth of visible and invisible representatives, to bring that organization down one person at a time. It's true. It is within this concealed arena of evil supernaturalism that unregenerate men are organized. Under demonic influence, they are orchestrated within a great system of evil, described in various scriptural passages as a satanic order. In more than 30 important biblical texts, the Greek New Testament employs the term cosmos as the underlying Greek word describing this government behind the government. It is here that the human ego, separated from God, becomes hostile to the service of mankind while viewing people as commodities to be manipulated in the ministration of a fiendish ambition. Some Some expositors believe the origins of this phenomenon began in a distant past, when a fire in the minds of angels caused Lucifer to exalt himself above the good of God's creation, the once glorified spirit driven mad by an unequivocal thirst to rule, conquer, and dominate spawns similar lust in his followers, which continues today. In other words, this is describing the fall of Lucifer. Okay, This continues today among agents of the dark power who guard a privilege, cause, and effect symmetry between visible and invisible personalities. I think this is good 
what we're talking about here because it's so easy to get your eyes fixed on some Muslim guy some or Obama or whoever. When the reality is, is we battle not against flesh and blood. We're battling the spirits emanating and operating through these people. And it's really good to keep bringing yourself back to that place where you, where you focus in on that. At Satan's desire, archons command this supernatural geopolitical sphere, dominating the cosmic, cosmic craters, which is the underlying Greek word for the rulers of darkness who work in and through human counterparts. That's one of the words that they use in Ephesians 6, where princes and principalities and rulers of wickedness, that's one of the words there. That's the underlying Greek word. Um, who in turn command spirits of lesser rank until every level of earthly government, secular and religious, can be touched by this influence. Remember, he said secular and religious. Virtually every religion on the planet right now has been infiltrated in some way, shape, or form. Some more than others, I'm sure. But most of them have been infiltrated. Any major one, any, any, I'll tell you, any one that's a 501c3 in, in America, I would almost guarantee you that. If we could see through the veil into this domain, we would find a world alive with good against evil, a place where the ultimate prize is the souls of men, and where legions war for the control of its cities and people. With vivid testimony to this, Satan offered to Jesus all the power and glory of the governments of this world. Satan said, quote, All this power I will give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and whomsoever I will, I give it. If, if thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Satan was offering that to Jesus. According to the epistle of the Ephesians, it is this dominion, not flesh and blood, where opposition to God's will on earth is initiated. Whereas people and institutions often provide the face on our problems, the, the human face, the conflict originates beyond them, in this place where unforeseen forces scheme. Very good to remember that. I mean, I forget it too. I mean, not that I forget it totally, but so easy to forget it. Um, let's just look at some Bible verses here. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, or Ephesians 6, 10 through, uh, 6, 10 through 13 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Okay, so how do we do that? What is one of the main ways we do that? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's the wiles. He's always trying to deceive you. He's like, you know, the wiles of the devil. It implies deception. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? That you be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. So you stand against the devil. This is how you, you know, you, you stand against him. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's continue with this article. DARPA and the other agencies in the U.S. military have taken inspiration from the likes of Tolkien's Lord on the Rings to wage an ending merciless war using billions of American tax dollars to fund the Pentagon's, Pentagon's Frankensteinian dreams of super soldiers and extended performance warfighter programs. Do you know about these? 
Not only does this program envision injecting young men and women with hormonal, neurological, and genetic concoctions, implanting microchips and electrodes in their body to control their internal organs and brain functions, and plying them with drugs that deaden some of their normal human tendencies, and the need for sleep, and the fear of death, and the reluctance to kill their fellow human beings. But as Chris Floyd in an article for Counterpunch a while back said... Quote, some of, some of the research now underway involves actually altering the genetic code of soldiers. Remember what I always keep saying? It's always about the DNA. Modifying bits of their DNA to fashion a new type of human specimen. One that functions like a machine. Killing tirelessly for days and nights on end. Mutations that will revolutionize the contemporary order of battle and guarantee operational dominance across the whole range of potential U.S. military employments. Let me tell you something. If you're facing one of these things that's coming against you, you better know the Lord Jesus Christ. In keeping with our study, imagine the staggering implications of such science if dead Nephilim tissue, dead fallen ones tissue, was discovered with intact DNA and the government somewhere was willing to clone or commingle the extracted organisms to make such as what we would refer to as homo nephilim. It's coming. It's already here. Guarantee you they're already doing it. If one accepts the biblical story of the nephilim as real in Genesis 6, such discovery could actually be made someday or perhaps already has already been made and covered up. Of course they're covering it up. National Geographic also confirmed this possibility in their May 2009 special report, Recipe for Resurrection, quoting Hendrik Ponar of McMaster University, an authority on ancient DNA who served as a scientific consultant for the movie Jurassic Park. Isn't that what Jurassic Park was all about? They got the DNA from all those, those dinosaurs and they recreated them. I'm telling you, Hollywood always, the New World Order, Satan, telegraphs his punches. That's what the whole movie of Jurassic Park was about. They're already doing this. Now granted, are they coming out in the streets and waving their arms saying, yeah, we're creating these Nephilim type creatures in laboratories. It's great. Come on, come all. No. Obviously they're not doing that. But it's happening. If they're admitting to doing other things on that level, you know they're doing this. The Bible says in Daniel that they mingled themselves, they, meaning another race, that they mingled themselves with the seed of men. It says that. And it's regarding the time, day and times we're moving into. Why do you think we have all these alien abduction things that, that happen all over? Millions and millions and millions of people have been abducted. Up to 3% of the population. Are they all crazy? Are they all nuts? And why is it that many times these women get abducted, they turn up pregnant, and then three or four months later, the baby's gone? I'm not making this stuff up. This is really happening all over the place. Are these women out there waving their arms saying, yeah, look what happened to me? No, they're totally embarrassed about it. But it's happened, and it's happened by the millions. Could that have something to do with this? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. But it shouldn't look good. Anyway, this authority on ancient DNA who served as a scientific consultant for the movie Jurassic Park says, quote, I laughed when Steven Spielberg said that cloning extinct animals was inevitable. But I'm not laughing anymore. This is going to happen. It's just a matter of working out the details. And this is what they're admitting to. Remember, if they're even 
feigning that this might be a possibility. They've already done it. They probably did this 30, 40 years ago. I give you the um, all the parts to this particular teaching uh, that uh, he did. Part 1 for Ben Gates, part 2, 3, 4, and 5. And then I also give you the link to my teaching on transhumanism, vaccinations, DNA, and corrupting the seed of mankind. The last thing I give you is a link to a really good teaching by one of my favorite preachers, Dr. Phil Stringer. Um, Unfortunately, they kicked Pastor Sam Adams and Mike Slattery off Sermon Audio this week. So those were two of the last ones up there preaching against the 501c3 church. They had to do it, just like they had to kick me off. And I don't think they gave them any notice either. I haven't heard from either of them. I, I emailed Sam Adams and I... I, uh, I, you know, I told him how sorry I was. He wasn't even hardly, you know, putting out a ton of teachings or whatever where, you know, but yet they kicked him off too. So that's, you know, Stephen Lee at Sermon Audio is going to have to answer to God for, for what he's doing. You know, but I think he's getting pressure from above. Anyway, this is the real story of King James by Phil Stringer. If you think King James was a homosexual, like they're taught in the seminaries, if you think King James was this or that, you really want to get the facts on this. Because you're being deluded and you're being deceived. So, again, I give you the link to that. You can click on it. I think it's like 42 minutes long. And it'll be a blessing to you. Anyway, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, this time you've given us, Lord. I do pray, God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we have committed in any way, shape, or form, Lord God. That the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. I do pray, God, that you bless my listeners, Lord. Wherever your word or your truth is being preached or taught worldwide, that you'd use it, that thy name would be glorified that you use it to lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We humbly ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen.